1: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Colleen Christie. Sophie and Chris are off tonight. Two men who survived a deadly Christmas Eve bus rollover on the Okanagan Connector are sharing accounts of their harrowing ordeal. Like many others, the men booked a road trip after their flights were canceled during last week's winter weather chaos. Now they and others are wondering why the highway wasn't closed in such icy conditions. Kristen Robinson begins our coverage.
3: It's kind of like you see in the movies. Even now it like, doesn't feel real.
4: Gurkhamul Thor and Justin McClelland still standing after a Christmas Eve travel nightmare.
3: It
5: happened so fast. It happened really fast.
4: That's a bus. That's an e-bus. Their flights cancelled. The pair ended up on this Vancouver-bound e-bus with dozens of others when it rolled over on an icy stretch of Highway 97C east of Merritt.
3: Well, I'd noticed that we were starting to slide a bit. The next thing I know, we're on our side. It's pretty scary.
4: Four passengers did not survive. More than 50 patients were sent to hospital.
5: I was in shock. I was in complete shock. Tried to get out of the bus as fast as we could.
4: After escaping through the roof hatches, the survivors switched gears.
5: We're all taking our coats off to help the wounded and stuff to keep them warm, taking scarves off and applying pressure to wounds.
4: McClelland and Rathor now wonder if the deadly collision could have been avoided.
5: The roads were very slippery, and I don't think E-Bus should have... buses should have
3: been on the road at all. I don't think the bus should have been on the road in the first place, and I think he's going way too fast.
4: E-Bus did not respond to our request for an interview Monday. With many trying to make it home for Christmas after airline cancellations, Chad Henderson took a bus rerouted to the Okanagan Connector and Hope-Princeton Highway during a Coca-Cola closure. He says there was a lot of pressure for drivers to make their trips.
6: The fact that the ministry hadn't shut down uh, these other roads, you know, we made the decision to do these detours uh, and they should not have been open in the first place.
4: B.C.'s transportation minister, not available for an interview, but said in a statement there were winter driving conditions on the Connector over the weekend AND OUR CMP ARE INVESTIGATING WHAT HAPPENED. THESE TWO FEEL FORTUNATE THEY SURVIVED.
3: GOT A COUPLE OF CUTS AND STITCHES ON MY HAND. Uh, KIND OF GOT HIT ON THE HEAD AS WELL. BUT uh, YEAH, I DEFINITELY LUCKED OUT COMPARED TO OTHER PEOPLE'S INJURIES. JUST MAKE SURE YOU PUT YOUR SEATBELT ON.
4: Kristen ROBINSON, GLOBAL NEWS.
5: AND WE THOUGHT WE CAN DRIVE BY. WE NEED TO STOP.
7: A gut-wrenching moment for an Abbotsford family traveling to Kelowna on Highway 97C Christmas Eve. A horrific bus crash that they say they will never forget. There were just so many people, so many hurt people. The Gerber family says instinct kicked in and they rushed in to help as many people as they could.
5: Drove in front of the bus and stopped and first my wife went back to see what she could do and then my daughter Brooklyn went
7: back. Their daughter Brooklyn has first aid training and her mother Bonnie used to be a nurse. We just, whoever was in front of us, we asked, what do you need? Where do you hurt? What can we do for you? first thing I thought was, this is like a bad scene in the movie where I close my eyes, but I can't close my eyes. And so I felt so helpless because... The, there were no paramedics there. Nobody was there to hug these people, to wrap them up, to tell them they were OK. And so I just felt so helpless. So we did what we could by giving them warm stuff. My mom was hugging lots of people. Dad and I were saying, are you OK? Are you OK? Do you need to call someone? Um, a lot of their phones were on the bus. So I gave them my phone, and they were able to call their family and say, hey, I'm OK, but I won't be in Abbotsford tonight. The family said they wish they could have done more. It continues to play through their minds. But in that moment, just being present in the worst moment of people's lives was enough.
5: There was a lady traveling with her mother. And her mother was stuck in the bus. And she approached the bus and saw that she had passed. And... She walked away sobbing, just sobbing, heartfelt sobs. And so I just came up to her.
8: He hugged her on one and hugged side. Her and
5: this Brandy came the other side and hugged her. We've been having a lot of what could we have done better or what could we have done more?
7: Because Brooklyn let people use her cell phone, she has been able to keep in touch with many of the families to see how people are doing. A connection between perfect strangers that will never be lost. Randy Murray Adams, Global News, Kelowna.
2: With quickly changing weather, officials are again reminding drivers to use caution while traveling along southern interior highways. As Taya Fast reports, warmer temperatures come with new warnings.
9: It seems B.C.'s southern interior is through the thick of this winter storm
10: a very slight risk um, compared to what we've been experiencing um, with the past storms of uh, over the Christmas holidays.
9: But although the storm is moving, freezing rain poured over southern interior highways on Monday, prompting Environment Canada to issue a warning.
10: We're having a a frontal system that's moving through uh, over the course of the day. So, uh, you know, the western passes like Allison Pass and the Connector um, should see the risk uh, diminish uh, uh, through the course of the morning and Kootenai Pass farther east uh, should see that risk uh, diminish later this
11: afternoon.
9: Officials adding that with freezing rain, ice is expected to build up on the roadways.
11: One of the greatest concerns is uh, no traction on the roadways, So it, it doesn't really matter if you have snow tires, studded tires. If there's a solid sheet of ice in the road, your car is going to go kind of where it wants to go depending on speed and weight of the vehicle.
9: And due to the warmer temperatures, water and slush have began to pool along the mountain passes.
11: Uh, due to the variations of temperatures, the, the driving this year has been quite challenging. Normally we'll get a dump of snow and it'll kind of freeze and the plows can do their thing. But with the freeze, thaw, you know, the extreme cold temperatures and then like today it's plus four, Uh, What you're getting is you're getting different layers of ice and snow buildup. Constable
9: Ward said RCMP often see an increase in highway accidents during the winter.
11: Some of the most common contributing factors is definitely speed. The other one is people panicking and uh, making abrupt inputs into their vehicle.
9: Adding that drivers should be prepared for quickly changing weather patterns and to drive slow and leave extra time when heading out on interior highways.
11: If you don't have to go anywhere, please don't go anywhere.
9: TFAS Global News.
11: The
2: nightmare continues for air travelers desperately trying to get home to Canada. Hundreds of Canadians are stuck in Mexico. The airline responsible for flying them home is blaming last week's winter storms. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, travelers say weather delays are no excuse for how the airline is treating them. Get us home!
10: Get us home! Get the chaos us home! has spread. Travellers that escaped last week's brutal winter weather are now finding out getting home is a lot more complicated.
0: So there's hundreds of me <laughs> and
4: my family here, as well as folks from Edmonton, Hamilton, Saskatoon.
10: Canadians stranded in Cancun, Puerto Vallarta and Los Cabos. Sunwing dropped them off, but hasn't been able to bring them home.
12: And now, according to Sunwing, which we don't know if we really believe it, but they're scheduling us to come back tomorrow tomorrow. Um, which will now be six nights delayed.
10: Sunwing puts the blame on weather writing in a statement as a result of winter weather in Vancouver this week which has stranded several planes and crew we unfortunately had to cancel some southbound flights from other western Canadian airports. Stranded travelers want more than empathy they want answers and Sunwing has gone silent.
4: We have had no correspondence in the airline. Um, We've We've all been on social media. We've been tweeting. We've been reaching out to them. There's we're not getting answers. Call center not returning calls back.
10: Temperatures have been overheating for a week now at YVR. Christmas Day, the RCMP forced to deal with irate passengers stranded by Flair Airlines. Boxing Day planes are leaving. According to YVR, 97 percent of all scheduled flights have departed
9: for a total of about 572 flights today in and out of YVR. Um, and right now we're about
4: 27 cancellations.
10: Sunwing has plans to bring home some travellers Tuesday. At this point, passengers not confident a plane will be waiting for them. I honestly will never fly Sun- Sunwing again. Aaron McArthur, Global News.
2: Residents of a condo complex in Langley have been forced from their homes after a retaining wall beside the building began to cave in. It's the second time in a year the wall, which is meant for a new building, has shown signs of wear. Power and other utilities have been cut off since the structure started to deteriorate at 7 o'clock last night. Residents say they noticed the ground was shifting in recent months. Once the snow cleared, they could see the full extent of the damage.
6: I
9: had a bit of a panic attack,
2: honestly, because it's, it's our first home and uh, it was Christmas
9: morning. We, didn't, we, haven't, we still haven't opened any of our presents because we've been trying to figure out what do we have to do. Is it safe? We wanted to make sure that it's safe uh, to still be at home.
2: Because the land is unstable, it's not certain if BC Hydro can restore power when it visits the site tomorrow. Residents have been given three nights at a hotel while the damage is assessed. A warning tonight on the Lower Mainland of a possible storm surge and flooding tomorrow morning due to a king tide and high winds. The City of Vancouver says a number of areas including the Fraser River, English Bay, False Creek and Burrard Inlet could flood. As a precautionary measure, the Stanley Park Seawall will be closed tomorrow morning from the Lionscape Bridge to English Bay and in front of the Kitts Pool. At the same time, the City of Delta is asking people to keep a close eye on rising waters. The heightened risk of flooding is most notable in the communities of Beach Grove and Boundary Bay. Today's extreme high tide happened at around 9 o'clock this morning, and while it was higher than normal, thankfully the strongest winds came a couple of hours earlier. People in the area were encouraged to take precautions, and the city put some larger protections in place. City staff are still on hand with portable pumps and generators if needed, and there's still a risk of flooding tomorrow. The deluge of rain is causing flooding in parts of Vancouver Island. So far, 12 houses in Chemayness have been severely impacted by the rising waters. The municipality says because of the rapidly changing weather conditions, flooding can be expected, especially in low-lying areas. The municipality is warning more flooding may be on the way. It says residents should clear storm drains and eaves to ensure proper drainage and to prevent damage. Residents say it's the third year in a row for these devastating conditions.
13: Every time it floods, it's, it's absolutely devastating. Last year, I had to gut my whole basement. I pulled out every shelf, every board. Anything that was in there went into a dumpster.
2: The flooding has also forced the closure of Shemanus Road, north of Mount Sicker Road and Crofton Road. Drive BC indicates a couple of detours, including Heard Road. And the south coast is in for even more heavy rain. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell is here. Yvonne, what's the timeline for this next round?
8: We're already starting to see some rain pushing in, Colleen. It'll intensify, especially as we get in late evening, overnight, and for our Tuesday morning. That's key when we'll start to see some of the heaviest rainfall. An additional 20 and up to 40 millimetres for most areas, but with this weather maker, we're also seeing very windy conditions, and the big concern, especially near the southern regions of the island, as well as Howe Sound, some of those wind gusts between, or sustained winds at 70 and gusts of up to 90 kilometres per hour. Additional rain right across the board, heavy at times. The concern for flooding will be what we'll be tracking through the day for tomorrow we still have additional snowfall amounts even the risk of freezing rain i'll show you which mountain passes could see up to 30 centimeters for tomorrow coming up very shortly colleen all
2: right thanks yvonne gas supply issues appear to be affecting several stations across the province signs are showing a price of zero meaning no gas but a few stations in metro vancouver and vancouver island still have premium gas for sale Analyst Paul Pascoe says it's a combination of increased demand over the holidays plus weather issues that have stopped production at some of the larger refineries. He adds it's not a long-term problem and should be resolved over the next couple of days. It was a long Christmas night for residents at a condo building in West Kelowna forced out of their homes early this morning. A gas leak prompted the sudden evacuation and some still don't know when they'll be able to return home. Jaden Wasney reports.
3: Shortly after midnight, residents at this condo building in West Kelowna were woken up by the sound of alarms triggered by a gas leak. As they scrambled to exit, there was little time to prepare. There was people standing out here in their bedroom slippers. There no socks in their bathrobes. There was people uh, holding their cats. And they were trying to figure out what was going on. Mark Vanderkam is among the dozens of residents who was forced to flee. He told Global News that a body was found inside the complex. One of the residents uh, said that there was a dead body uh, discovered on the sixth floor uh, and it had been there for uh, the past week. RCMP confirmed there was a body found in the building, but that it's unrelated to the gas leak. It's believed the body had been there for some time. Police told Global News that they were called to the Gossett Road complex in the evening hours of Christmas Day, following a report of a deceased individual. There's a lot of police around and they weren't really um, forthcoming. And then we saw people with hazmat suits on, full bio hazmat suits with oxygen tanks. While authorities were on scene, the gas leak was discovered, forcing everyone out. Because the leak prevented the body from being removed Sunday evening, it wasn't until Monday afternoon when officials could be seen taking the body out on a stretcher. An emergency support service centre was also set up at the West Bank Lions Community Centre for the displaced residents. By Monday afternoon, some of the residents in the suites not damaged by water were given the go-ahead to go back home, but others remain out and it's not known when they will be able to return. Jaden Wozni, Global News, West Kelowna.
2: It's a tradition many have come to enjoy and rely on, Boxing Day sales. And while many stores did not see the crowds and crazy consumerism we long associate with the holiday, others had lineups for kilometers. And some are attributing what some are attributing the change to in just over a minute.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: Greetings from all of us here at Global
2: News. The strange blue flame of a power station fire in Tacoma, Washington, and the even stranger reason it was on fire. And concern growing in China as COVID cases surge and more rules are set to be dropped. Long lines early in the morning used to be a mainstay of Boxing Day, if you wanted a great deal, that is. But as Amadi reports, there seems to be a shift happening in consumer spending, though not always at the mall.
12: Morning. Coming in.
14: It was either a Christmas hangover or the sign of the times.
8: Hey, how are you? Good morning. No to liners today. Yeah, that's good.
14: Either way, this Boxing Day, the opening of the doors at Best Buy in Vancouver was eerily quiet and the lineup outside consisted of just three people. I guess there's a lot of online shopping available now and no one's going to be you know, in line fighting for, for stuff. I was expecting a
15: lot more people but it's nice and quiet so it's good.
14: On this day, there was plenty of worm for the early bird. But the extra elbow room in the aisle left some adventure-seeking shoppers, well, feeling nostalgic.
12: Nobody's lining up anymore and it's kind of, you know, the vibe's is not the same anymore. There, there seemed to be a culture before.
14: And he's not wrong. Hey, we're Randy? yeah. Who forgets scenes like this in the late 90s?
5: I'm just going to spend all night just sitting here and, and see what's cheap. <laughs>
14: Sales are going great today. It's extremely busy. The difference now is not just online sales and the changing shopping habits, according to retail experts, who factor in inflation pressures on households,
5: not to mention rising
14: interest rates too.
5: Concerns people have about their credit card debt, and the interest that's going to be paid in their mortgages and so forth is putting a damper on discretionary items that might be bought otherwise. It
14: took until early to mid-afternoon for crowds on Robson Street to resemble a more traditional boxing day.
9: Where are like, they going Where now? are you going?
14: The traffic to just get to Towson Mills proved too much for some people. <coughs> While those headed to MacArthur Glen... We're backed up across the Arthur Lang Bridge into Vancouver. in Global News.
2: An historic deal dies on the vine. Why travellers at one B.C. airport will have to rely on planes to get them high. Next, And
0: Just not sure why anybody would want to do that to other people. Power
2: outages in Washington and Oregon, but not from bad weather. Why the FBI is investigating. Next. It was going to put the Prince George Airport in the history books, but a cannabis store has backed out of the deal due to economic uncertainty. As KPG, K, CKPG's Caden Fanshawe tells us, the economy could also force more businesses to pull out of projects too.
1: Some would say the high has come to an end. After months of anticipation, cannabis retailer Copilot will not be opening up shop at the Prince George Airport.
16: We do understand um, you know this has been a, a three-year journey that we've uh, taken on and economic uh, impactors have really changed a lot and particularly in the last few months that uh, you know they have investors and and uh, and a board to answer to the same as as we do. This store would have been
1: the first of its kind in an airport across the globe one that had major Canadian airports paying close attention to how the process went here.
16: Uh, Toronto, Pearson is, you know, they're working towards a number of initiatives, including cannabis retail for their airport. So we we do think that the uh, action we took and, uh, you know, that has sparked up some interest as well from, from other parties.
1: This chance at history locally now gone up in smoke due to what the company Cloudbreak Cannabis is calling economic uncertainty, a troubling term, say commerce experts in times like these.
13: Projects that might have made sense when, in, when interest rates were 4% might make a lot less sense when they're 8 to 10%. So the price of money matters.
1: Combine the inflationary cost pressures with the rising interest rate and other factors and you know, other projects, big and small, may also have to restructure their plans.
13: Our biggest challenge at the moment is talent. Our biggest challenge is the ability to get people with the skill sets that will come to the area to do the work for the work that has to be done here.
2: And if you're making investment decisions, that is a big if.
1: Caden Fanshaw, CKPG News.
2: In Tacoma, thousands of people were without power on Christmas Day after several power substations were vandalized. Blue flames could be seen shooting from one of four substations broken into on Sunday. 17,000 people in the Tacoma area lost power as a result. State law enforcement officials say they received a memo from the FBI earlier this month warning them about potential attacks to power stations in the region.
0: It's not sure why anybody would want to do that to other people on a day when you know we're here to celebrate with our families and be together and you know have that downtime especially through the last couple of years where things have been really hard for everybody at this point police
2: are not calling it an act of domestic terrorism because there are no suspects officials are now considering ramping up security at power stations during national holidays when most Canadians would like to see the next federal election and who they might vote for next plus covid policy changes in china but what's next as cases there surge and later
14: Uh, i had the grand slam and you had some milkshake didn't you
2: the grand slam for the door at an iconic restaurant in south vancouver as global news continues A federal election isn't legally required until 2025, but half of Canadians want one next year. Exclusive Ipsos polling for Global News found just over half of Canadians think Justin Trudeau should step down as Liberal leader next year, but only one quarter believe he will. When it comes to approval ratings, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh leads the pack with 53%, followed by Trudeau at 45%, and Conservative leader Pierre Poilievre with 41%. In eastern Canada, the aftermath of a powerful winter storm this past weekend continues to cause problems. The Niagara region remains in a state of emergency as crews continue to work to restore power and clear roads. Sean O'Shea has the latest.
15: Cars and trucks abandoned. Drivers who couldn't move anymore because of intense snow and high winds leading to a state of emergency here. There are extensive power outages in communities like this one. There's little or no heat.
4: It's very scary. People are trying to reach out to their loved ones down here. We can't get a hold of people around us.
15: The crippling weather started Friday. And by Saturday it had gotten worse while well, I was stuck in the middle of it. Trying to find somebody who's in a vehicle accident here uh, and they're not sure where that person is. Near zero visibility for hours. It was too dangerous even for first responders who said they couldn't guarantee help for anyone who got stuck in the blinding snow. Highways were closed, and a group of stranded shoppers spent two days, including Christmas, at this Fort Erie Walmart store.
7: So we served a Christmas dinner for 11 people on Saturday night.
15: At the Walmart? At Walmart. One of the busiest border crossings with the United States is still closed. The Peace Bridge is off limits. Across the river in Buffalo, they're calling it the worst storm ever. The governor puts it this way.
4: We are in a war. This is a war with mother nature.
15: Crippling weather that some Canadians compare to the great blizzard of 1977. The snow is piled high in front of this 120-year-old pharmacy in the village. And as bad as the weather's been, many are still grateful.
9: We feel very blessed that we had a generator. We were able to keep things going. but. It's hard when you can't get to other people that may need it.
15: Besides having no heat, many people say the biggest issue for them is communications. They don't really know what's going on because they haven't had power. They haven't had cell service. They haven't been able to watch television for days. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Ridgeway, Ontario.
2: China will be lifting COVID-19 quarantine and testing requirements for international arrivals starting January 8th. Beijing is now navigating a sharp pivot away from its strict zero COVID policy and as Redmond Shannon reports it appears to be resulting in rising cases and a renewed concern about what's next.
17: This is not a scene from December 2020 before widespread COVID-19 vaccination. It is from China in December 2022. Hospitals and funeral homes struggling to deal with China's largest ever surge of COVID-19 cases. The hospital is just overwhelmed from top to bottom. So, you know, the, the ER filled up with people. The Financial Times reports that Beijing officials privately estimate 250 million Chinese people contracted the virus in the first 20 days of December. I'm exhausted, this ER doctor tells Chinese State TV. Even the much lower official numbers of cases and deaths are now unknown. China has simply stopped publishing figures. And it has set a higher bar for what constitutes a COVID death. The wave comes just weeks after China began to dismantle its strict zero-COVID strategy, first introduced almost three years ago. The changes following a series of protests from a very weary population. President Xi Jinping has asked officials to do whatever is feasible to save lives in this wave. But Beijing's 180 on zero COVID continues apace. On January 8th, hotel quarantine will end for passengers arriving on international flights. China's full vaccination rate is high, but less so among seniors, and studies indicate its domestic vaccines are much less effective at preventing serious cases. Last week, the World Health Organization said it believes China is looking at registering a Western mRNA vaccine. We would certainly encourage that kind of work. The true long-term impact of China's strategy will only become clear in time. Right now, many Chinese people are dealing with concerns and fears many of us first faced more than two years ago. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London.
2: Yvonne is here with the full forecast next. Plus, what a year for one of BC's most popular premiers and for the man who would follow him. Those stories next. And after 50 years, why it's closing time for an iconic restaurant that fed several generations in South Vancouver.
1: greetings from all of us here at Global News. You're watching Global BC.
2: While much of North America has had more than its fill of snow over the holidays, a rare dusting of it was a welcome treat in Mexico City today. For the first time in six years, temperatures fell just low enough for snow to fall on the volcano outside the city, and the locals were loving it. Many scraped up what they could off the ground and made snow people in their cars, while others enjoyed a rare snowball fight oh that is fantastic I'm glad someone's enjoying that crazy <laughs> weather meteorologist Yvonne shell joins us now with a look at the full forecast and Yvonne boy we've been through the ringer this yeah. last week a
8: mixed bag we had temperatures well below the freezing mark we've gone from snow and now we're changing over to rain we're still seeing that transition with even the risk of freezing rain for the interior and I'll have more coming up in just a moment bit of a break right now on the latest satellite and radar we can see that gap but in behind it this is what we're anticipating over the the next few hours, overnight, taking us in towards the morning hours, the rain is going to intensify once again. Anywhere between 20 and up to 30 millimeters. Those will be additional amounts, and the winds, the big weather story that will increase that risk of flooding right across the board. We are going to see it along the southern tip of Vancouver Island, how Sound winds uh, anywhere between 70, gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. Metro Vancouver, most of the south coast, will see winds between 30 and up to 60 kilometers per hour. 20 and up to 40 is what we're anticipating for most areas. Higher amounts could along the North Shore Mountains, but a heads up. We do have the next round of snow intensifying overnight and continuing through the day tomorrow. Now, the sea of sky could still see up to 10 centimetres, similar for the Coquihalla. Connector this evening, 5 and up to 10, with an additional 2 and 4 for tomorrow. But the higher amounts will be along the Kootenai Pass, where we could see totaling closer to 30 centimetres. So once again, check in with DriveBC.ca for the latest road conditions, but we are still seeing lots of instability with even that risk of freezing rain across the board with very icy and challenging road conditions. Now the northern half of the province, bit of a break. Overnight along the coast will be down to 2 through the day tomorrow up to 4. Still chilly inland. Most areas for the central interior will be tracking light snowfall 5 and up to 10 centimetres as possible. For the valley bottoms and towards the interior, also the potential for some snow mixed with rain with 5 and up to 10 centimetres leading in towards tomorrow. Along the south coast and the lower mainland, the big weather story, very wet and windy through the day. 20 and up to 30 millimeters. A few spots could see those gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. Bit of a break between systems will be on Wednesday. Still soggy but mild in the coming days. Colleen, tonight's weather window is a great shot. This one captured oh. near Burns Lake. And Corrine was out there. She said she was snowshoeing and she captured this shot.
2: That is beautiful. Thanks so much. With less than a week to go until we ring in a new year, we're looking back at some of the major stories of 2022. In B.C. politics, it was a year of big changes in the provincial capital when a popular premier decided to call it a day. But what looked like an easy road for one of his ministers to take the wheel turned out to have some major speed bumps. Here's Richard Zussman.
13: The toll it took was clear. Premier John Horgan enduring 35 rounds of throat cancer treatments, Changing not just his look, but his outlook.
16: I always want to know that I'm doing the best I can for the people that uh, sent me here.
13: February bringing a new political foe. Kevin Falcon lining up as B.C. Liberal leader. Cracks for the government starting to emerge as the pandemic waned. Record-breaking gas prices, a healthcare system in crisis. Worries about public safety. But Horgan's biggest speed bump? A museum.
16: And I just did not want this very important institution to become uh, something to be kicked around as part of a a laugh line at a a dinner party or at the soccer field.
13: The years in power through pipeline disputes to the pandemic starting to show and under intense pressure cancelling the Royal BC Project, then in June delivering a much bigger surprise.
16: I'm not able to make another six-year commitment to this job.
13: The premier leaving. Setting largely his health concerns and a desire to pass the torch to a younger generation.
16: I am currently cancer-free. My health is good, but my energy uh, flags uh, as the days go by.
13: The leadership race to replace Horgan unfolding with perceived frontrunner after perceived frontrunner falling to the wayside. Just one caucus member standing tall. David Eby.
17: I think I can deliver the stability and the consistency of government in a really uncertain time for our province.
13: Eby would eventually find a challenger an environmental activist Angelia Pitterai, but it would be the NDP executive taking her down. Accusations the way membership sales were done were against the party rules.
4: We rose too fast and we took power off guard. And now power is doing what it was designed to do.
13: Her disqualification putting Eby in the job months sooner than expected. Sworn in by mid-November.
17: I'll let you in on a secret, really. Uh, I'm not as tall as I look. <laughs> um, because I'm standing on the shoulders of John Horgan.
13: EB already making announcements on health care, housing, affordability, public safety, building on the vast legacy Horgan leaves, passing UNDRIP legislation, overhauling child care delivery in ICBC, leading during a global pandemic. I did not intend to stop.
16: Cancer is a, is a bitch. Can I say that? Can you bleep me on that? But it is.
13: Uh, families know that. Even though the cancer made it tough, it was ultimately Horgan's choice to leave. He wasn't forced to resign due to unpopularity or lose an election. Handing the reins over to another leader of a popular government, a rare feat in BC politics. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
2: Stay with us. Squires here next with sports and still to come the last days of a restaurant that has served our community for generations. A story you will you'll want to see this. Stay with us. I was looking at one of the monitors that had the World Juniors on, yes. and the score was a little disconcerting because <laughs> they just kept on going up and up and not for Canada.
6: Well, the good news is it's not a single knockout. <laughs> Thank goodness. So well, there are games to get your act together. It can happen. Sometimes you get off to a stumbly little start. No kidding. Actually, Canada and Finland were the finalists when they had the tournament in the summertime because, of course, it right. was COVID delayed. Those two teams both lost today. So Two upsets. Interesting. Yes, uh, Conor Bedard and Team Canada really are only four months removed from winning a gold medal at the COVID-delayed World Junior Hockey Championships, which had to be held in August. The team for the second World Juniors this year is equally as talented, the Canadian team that is, and one of the favourites for the gold medal. In fact, there are eight players from the August tournament from Canada's win that are on this Canadian team, including North Vancouver's Conor Bedard. But today... As Colleen just alluded to, Canada ran into a Czechia team that showed that sometimes having an impressive-looking roster doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. Sometimes a talented team can go a bit individual on itself. Dennis Williams, normally coaching the Everett Silvertips, is handling Canada's roster this year, and it gets off to a good start. Shane Wright, who plays for the Seattle Crack and normally back for this tournament, tips in a shot, one nothing. Connor Bedard, Tries the Michigan, but puts it in the Czechia goalie's face. The Michigan, Michigan goal, of course, first done by now-Burnaby firefighter Mike Wegg. little shout-out there. Uh, David Moravich will score a goal here for Czechia, which had 2 and 35 seconds to take a 2-1 lead in the first period. And Stanislav Sovel will score to make it 3-1. He actually plays with Bedard in Regina. Connor Bedard gets a chance. Connor Bedard scores a goal drives the puck through a would-be checker and makes it three to two. But that's as close as Canada would get. The Canadians take a five-minute penalty and Czechia gets a goal here from Matus Menzik on the power play to make it five to two and they would hold on for a 5-2 win. Now, Jonathan LaKaramaki, Canucks draft choice, playing for Sweden, taking on Austria. LaKaramaki would score here. There'd be a lot of goals for the boys in blue and gold because. Sweden would win this game by the score of 11-0. No upset here. And another Canuck playing on the Swedish team, of course, is Elias Pettersson. Not the original Elias Pettersson, but the defenseman Elias Pettersson, whom the Canucks also drafted. You can never have too many Elias Pattersons. Uh From a purely selfish media perspective, of which I speak right now, Bruce Boudreau was a fun guy to have coaching the Vancouver Canucks because he loves the game and he loves talking about hockey. Since he got here, we've heard stories from him like how he was in the movie Slapshot as an extra, he helped teach Paul Newman a bit about playing hockey, and even had his apartment used in the movie to be Paul Newman's apartment. The most recent story from Boost Boudreaux is all about his final NHL goal, which was in Vancouver when he played for the Chicago Blackhawks.
14: Bouncing to the side of the net, Boudreaux, a
1: shot, good goal!
6: Bruce
11: Boudreaux remembers every detail of the final NHL goal that he scored. It was potted during the 1985-86 season against the team he now coaches. That, uh, what I remember with that was my only shift of the game. I played seven seconds that game. And the only way I got on is we were on a delayed penalty. And um, uh, nobody went on, so I jumped on the ice and went straight to the net and Secord passed me the puck and I scored. I got one shift the next night and drew a penalty, but they wouldn't put me on the power play. So. Boudreau is a perfect example of a hockey lifer. Decades upon decades of either coaching or playing for nearly two dozen pro teams. It's been a lifelong love affair with the game that didn't seem to return the love.
13: By Boudreau, but both of them still on their face. Jelly battled for it.
11: Boudreau's check. And now here we go. Home run against Boudreau. At least not as a player, where Boudreau scored 28 goals and 70 points in 141 NHL games. Oh, it's also interesting when you remember that Boudreau's first NHL goal came against his current boss, Canucks president Jim Rutherford. It's been a lifetime of hockey memories for one of the really good guys in the game. Is it kind of cool to see those things once in a while? I like it, you know. Who doesn't like seeing good stuff about themselves, you know? They might not ever admit it, but they like seeing it.
6: Hey, there's the uh, guy Bruce Boudreaux replaced, Travis Green, coaching Canada at the Spengler Cup in Davos. And they were taking on Michael Repick, the former Vancouver Giant, and Sparta Prague. Repick had a couple of goals, and Sparta Prague won this. But uh, Brett Connolly, former Prince George Cougar, scored a couple for Canada. So Czechia beat Canada twice today. They beat us in the Spangler Cup and they beat us at the World Juniors as well. Somehow, someway, Russell Wilson went from potential Hall of Famer to Hall of Shamer for the way he has played in his first year with the Denver Broncos. And since the Broncos can't get rid of Wilson, since they're paying him a ton, they got rid of his head coach today. Nathaniel Hackett was fired, which was going to happen eventually with Denver sitting at 4-11 and but he is now out and that means the Broncos have a head start on all the other teams to find a new head coach whose biggest job next season will be to find the old version of Russell Wilson and get him to play for the Broncos not this new version of Russell Wilson clearly Pete Carroll and the Seahawks knew something when they traded him and they are the happiest people to see Denver at 4-11 and 11 because they have the Broncos' first-round draft pick, which means their draft pick will be very high next year. Very nice, there very
2: nice. Thanks so much, Squire. Up next, saying goodbye to an institution. Can you say Grand Slam right after this?
1: Happy Holidays from all of us here at Global BC.
2: Kamal Karamali is here now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Kamal.
14: Yeah, Colleen, we're going to be hearing from more residents who've been forced to spend the remainder of their holidays in a hotel after a retaining wall beside their Langley condo complex building partially collapsed. Power and utilities have been cut off, leaving residents uncertain when they can return home. We've also got comment now from the management company responsible for the mishap. Plus, more reaction as Metro Vancouver braces for king tides and high winds tomorrow. This coming shortly before the one-year anniversary of another King Tide battering that seawall, which took months to repair. More on that on Global News at 11. Colleen.
2: Kamal, thank you. It is the latest casualty of an ever-changing city. A long-standing restaurant in South Vancouver is serving up its final meals before it's torn down. While the menu is full of favourites, as Grace Key reports, regular customers say the diner provided them with much more than food over the years.
0: Rome wasn't built in today, day, but maybe if they had coffee.
12: <laughs> a fixture on Southwest Marine Drive for decades. The Denny's in South Vancouver is closing its doors for good, sending customers home with a souvenir mug and memories. It's sad.
0: For We've everybody. seen our kids grow from yeah. being babies, literally babies, to, uh, you know. Six foot six. six. Yeah, six foot
17: six. six now. So. Oh, it's really sad, really sad, really sad, really sad. Because uh, we used to come here for birthdays and... You know, because you get free pancakes, right? Every holiday we're
14: here and just, you know, have breakfast with the family.
12: Our cameras were not allowed inside, but through the windows, customers were spotted enjoying one last laugh over coffee and their favorite meal.
14: I had the Grand Slam and you had some milkshake, didn't
5: you? First time ever having one. (laughs) Oh, I'm having a Grand
12: Slam, so
5: I already know. Hash browns, turkey, bacon, and the coffee. Double berry pancakes, I think it's called. I mean, it's been here for decades, so yeah, I'll definitely miss it.
12: Denny's on Marine Drive is hoping customers will join them at the Richmond location, but for some long-time customers, it just won't be the same.
5: But yeah, it's a, it's a shame that it's a, it's a staple, right? That it's, a, it's going away, but oh well, I guess things change.
17: So I would sit down, they bring me a coffee and a uh, real milk. And I would automatically just get that, right?
0: We were actually talking about, like, where are you going to go next for this kind of thing, you know, just to get away with the family for a nice breakfast and that sort of thing. And there's not a lot of options.
12: Towers and rental housing will eventually make its way here. The restaurant will be serving up some of its last Grand Slams at 11 p.m. Boxing Day when doors close for good. Grace Key, Global News.
2: I was driving through the city the other day, and I thought, I would love to go back 20 years to what the city looked like, because it has changed, and it is going to change again
6: in the next few. And you know what? I think 20 years ago, Denny's had moons over my (laughs) hammy.
2: I think you're right, Squire. I don't know what ever happened
6: to that. (laughs)
8: Add it back to the menu. Right. Yvonne, one last look at the forecast. Wet and windy. We're tracking that. Uh, The potential for flooding will be a big concern. 20 and up to 40 millimeters. And the winds, a few spots, could see those gusts of up to 90. So stay tuned. Active weather for tomorrow and then a bit of a break on Wednesday.
2: Holy smoke. All right. Thanks for that. And thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great night. Take care.